OSS Cubed. Gigantic, a monster, enormous, behemoth. The OSS Cubed gets underway on Sunday, August 14th, and it's bringing to the table a whopping $4.5 million in guarantees over four weeks. Yep, that's $4.5 million, our most exciting endeavor yet, with three massive main events. It all adds up to 141 online poker events with something for everyone. There's also a combined leaderboard that will award four all-inclusive packages, $4,900 value each, to the 2016 Punta Cana Poker Classic. And it's waiting for you at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 101 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the links on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website, and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then the best way is to email questions at oneouter.com. Alternatively, you can tweet them to me or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 101, heading towards uh, 200 now. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, we are ready to talk about, we got a lot to talk about on this <laughs> sorry, show. Sorry, go you, ahead. You, yeah, just cough all over it. Yeah, you know, I'll, um, I'll, I'll hit the microphone with my coffee cup in two minutes too, I'll, yeah. by the way. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, you went on your Rap Battle Adventures, your latest one. And you played some live poker. Yes, and also, we are going to talk about the competition winner for who won the copy of Myth of Poker Talent. Yes, sir. So, we'll get to that eventually. So, yeah, how did your trip go, your rap battle, and your poker? Uh, fill us in. Oh, it went good, man. I uh, uh, In Florida, I went to go play the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. Uh, the 5K has a surprisingly pretty fast structure. I didn't really mind it because uh, I, I knew it was kind of a faster structure going in. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy live poker in all of its forms. But uh, one second, guys. <coughs> so, I don't know what happened. I, but, yeah, anyway, they, uh, I, I enjoy live poker usually pretty much anyway just because I grew up playing live poker. And that was no different. It was a bit more of a rush. uh as in, it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't like I snorted coke. As in, it, I was rushing to and fro, uh, trying to get something done. Uh, I didn't. I in the five k, I got caught bluffing to go out, which I cannot remember the last time that happened. Usually, I'm pretty spot on with my triple barrel bluffs. I, the last time I played this tournament, I triple barrel bluffed. You kind of have to triple barrel bluff a little bit more in the States because Americans get frustrated a lot more. Europeans, I've noticed, are way better at doing that. Well, hold on now. If I call this turn, he's got a perfect jam on the river. Am I prepared to call that? Because I think it's coming most of the time. Uh, Americans don't really think that far. <laughs> They're kind of like, uh, hey, I hate this guy. I call, right? And then on the river, <laughs> ah, crap. Oh, no, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, to this guy's credit... I thought he had one pair, and I thought there was no way in God's green earth he was calling on the river, right? I thought the timing was really good. I thought I I looked very calm as I did it. I look very calm when I'm bluffing a lot of the time because I've really worked on the bluff quite a bit at home. And uh, this one was no different. Essentially, the board was ace-10-9. The guy had called my butt and raise from the small blind, and then he had check-called on the flop, and... The 10-9 were of spades. I had queen-jack offsuit, no spades. And I remember thinking, I'm going to bet the turn I'm going to jam river because everybody these days calls here with ace-2, ace-3, ace-4, ace-5, ace-6, ace-7, ace-8. Uh, and a surprising number of them will call flop, call turn, and then fold river. And even some guys will fold like ace-jack or like ace-queen, right? And uh, like the, there's a lot of times... Uh, uh, it, it, it's really weird because, like, a lot of times, like, uh, it, it, well, it may, this is a bad example of this situation, but there's a lot of times I'm trying to triple barrel the ace off, and a lot of times people see big cards, and the layman will go, oh, no, a big card. But that's actually really good for me that because that card, you, you know, like if a king peeled off 
and I didn't have the queen jack, that's all right for me because uh, it, let's say if the board was like ace seven five in the turn the king, that's okay for me because ace king was already slaughtering me. And uh, mm. now there's less combinations of it. And it, it's not that likely anyway. You probably would have three-bet ace-king. But, yeah, uh, I've been spot on with – it's really a matter of will this guy call three barrels with one pair? In online, the answer about 70% of the time is yes, he is going to call three barrels, especially if there's a misdraw there. Uh, live, interestingly, when the guy has to table their hand, and uh, in the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, there is a rule that whenever there's an all-in pot, you have to table your hand. So he can't call my all-in, have me turn over two pair, and then he just mucks. They will mm. force him to turn over his hand, right? And there's a lot of guys that just do not want to call and turn over, like, one pair, right? Especially mm -hmm. it's a 5K, and a lot of these backers that put guys in 5Ks don't necessarily have the money they should be putting uh, to be putting people in 5Ks. So I didn't know any anything about this guy. He was a Asian kid from Houston. Seemed like a really nice guy, uh, but he just picked me off like nothing. He just threw it. Like, he, he looked, like, pretty upset with my jam, but then I don't know if he figured it out or if it was one of those, like, well, I have a pair, so I don't mm. know what to do. <laughs> like, I guess I called. But either way, my read was off, and he called, and I, I, I wasn't even mad. He... he there's days you just get outplayed. That's just how it is, right? You know, and then uh, uh, the 2650. 2650. What did he have? What did he call? Oh, he called with a7. He called. Right. That's a, that, it, it was a really good call. He took 20 seconds, and then he looked like I, – I, I literally was, like, waiting to just put throw my hand in the muck because he had the same routine everybody has before they fold, Right. And then he had some weird look come over his face, like he figured it out. And then he called, and then he looked at my hand expectingly. I turned over the – I, I, I'd really love to know what I did. or I don't think he picked up a tell or anything, but there was something – in communitronically, it doesn't make sense because I don't have enough missed flush draws there. Whenever somebody tells me I put you on a missed flush draw there, I know they don't know anything about poker because if you count the missed flush draws there – especially with the ace being on the board, there's my dryer. And uh, especially with the ace being on the board, there's just not that many of them, right? And uh, because you can only make one combination of each flush draw you can dream of just due to the suits, right? So you end up counting about, let's say you even counted 18 missed flush draws. That doesn't discount the other 150 combinations of better, you know, like aces that I'm jamming there. And I do jam ace-king there. I do jam ace-queen a lot of the time because uh, just to balance it out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, but uh, maybe Bick picked up a tell. I'm, I'm more inclined to believe he just kind of went, oh, the hell with it. I, there's a 70% chance he went all the hell with it, and then there's a 30% chance he's like an actually a real live shark, and subconsciously he picked up on something. The hard part about poker is I'll never find out. I just have to kind of accept my lumps. I, I, I slapped him on the back, and I said, very good call, and I meant it. And to me, that's the most powerful, when you can bust the tournament, lose 5K, and go, hey, you know, yeah, I'll play me yeah. today, right? Yeah. If you ever watch, like, professional sports, like, the guys who are the best will say after they lose, like, look, I got out play today. I, I didn't, we didn't bring it, right? And they, I had a football coach growing up. We had a football team, American football. Uh, we, uh, you need 11 guys on a football team, and we had 14, right? The entire team was 14, which meant most of us had to play the entire game, which is unheard of in our division. It was a small uh, It was a small weight class. It was a small school that represented us. And we got all the way to ch the championship game, and we went up against Pharaoh's army, right? These guys literally had 56 people, right? So, like, when we were going on special teams, defense, offense, these guys could rest 20 minutes, right? If we got injured, we had to keep playing the game. Anyways, we lost the game, and our coach said, you guys got nothing to be ashamed of. They just wanted it more. Like, he didn't let us off for one second, you know what I mean? He was like, you guys could have done it. You didn't want it, right? You guys gave up at some point in the game. He started telling me it was impossible because there were so many people, right? And I, I don't believe that. I watched you guys play this entire season. I, I knew you could have done it, right? And I've always kind of 
I've tried to bring that into poker. But yeah, anyway, I did ca- I didn't cash the 2650. I was very This was interesting though. I busted the 2650 the next day, but I was very proud of my play. Like extremely proud of my play because I bet folded I triple barrel folded like six times in this tournament. I'm not exaggerating. I never do. And every time, like later on, the guys would be like, yeah, I hit two pair or whatever. And, I'm, and I was thinking, are these guys good enough to outplay me? And I'm not like, not really, you know. Well, and, you know, that would be a weird. And it's not really like I'm, I can make a read. It's just like for them to get to the river and bluff me when they check call, check call, check jam river, that would require them to be like check calling twice with third pair and then like check jamming the river, turning it into a bluff, which is a very sophisticated play, which maybe one guy or maybe one guy did. I don't even think two, uh, but I highly doubt it. Right. You, you know what I mean? That's, that's more of a play. That's more, that's really popular with like Spanish players, like German players, like, check jamming their draws and stuff like that on the turns. There's a lot of guys that come from the high stakes cash world that will do that. But it, the tournament guys aren't really into that. And every time, every time they would uh, fold, you can, uh, I think Tommy Angelo calls this six straight, right? If you see like the deep exhale, that's usually a bluff, right? If you see the kind of like flipping the hand again, like chagrined, like damn it, he didn't call. They're pretty much letting you know they hit something, right? You know what I mean? And it wasn't it, so. I was super proud of my play that day, even though I busted. The next day in the one k, I cashed and I finished fifty third or whatever. But like, uh, I was really pissed off with my play. I made a number of bad reads. Uh, I blame my diet. I was I was doing this thing, Barry. I just read this book called Fitness Confidential, and it's a, uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's a very, I think it's a really good book on like the basics of like dieting and exercise. And it's also just a personal trainer in Hollywood telling you like pretty much how every gym is trying to scam you. Every TV show is trying to scam you. And it's like, it's really fascinating. But one of the things he said is like, look, if you're trying to cut weight, you know, if you want a snack, get a little piece of cheese because that tends to make you full a lot quicker and uh, make your, make your meals, mostly fruits, veggies, and like uh, meat, you know what I mean? Cook, cook, a cook. Don't be afraid to cook a steak, right? You know, and, uh, cook it with butter. You'll be full. And the, I, I was thinking this is the dumbest diet on earth, right? You'll get cholesterol so fast. Well, I, I lost 15 pounds after the world series doing this diet, because what I learned is if you, if you're eating greens and like chicken and you just can't eat that much, you know what I mean? Because it's so satiating, you you have like a chicken breast and like you're just full, right? You can't yeah. you can't really eat much more. And so I was eating like that, a lot of greens. And uh for whatever reason they brought me bread with my breakfast. And you know, after like six days without carbs, I, I was feeling like, man, I really need some carbs, right? And before I've played poker and I've like I've had white bread before I go and play and it does it does give you a little bit of energy, even if it is kind of like a glycemic boost before a crash. But I guess my body was much more attuned to it before because it just threw me off the entire day. My focus was late. I had laser focus in the 5250 and 2650. In the 1100, I was hurting. I just, I don't know if that's also exhaustion too from multiple 12 hour days in a row. Uh, I also didn't get to work out that day and I got to work out all the previous days. But yeah, I and I didn't like play that bad, but I did make one bluff where if I had been a little bit more on point, I probably would have figured it out. I cut my losses early and uh, that that was kind of weak. And uh, there was just a few times I opened a hand where I like a second later, I'm like, what am I doing? This is a horrible uh, table to open this hand. Right. And then sure enough, someone three bet me and I, I couldn't fold fast enough because I shouldn't have been in the pot to begin with, right? And then uh, my bust out hand was really interesting uh, because, okay, this guy, there was an Egyptian gentleman, sat down, seemed like a business guy, talking about how he played the one drop and I think he meant the million dollar version or the, even if it's the $100,000 version or the million dollar version, this is small potatoes to him. This is an 1100, right? He loses a pot. Uh, he, he, I saw him kind of 
Like, uh, I, I saw him, I'm not, I'm not going to say, like, played bad, but he, he did make some risks that other people wouldn't do. And I, I kind of got the idea he was just there to play and have fun, right? I wasn't, well, anyway, he loses a pot. He look, he's, like, shaking his head for 20 minutes and, like, muttering under his breath. And then he looks at his hand under the gun. And he shoves, like, uh, 28 big blinds, right, under the gun. It comes around to me in middle position. I look down at pocket eights. The structure is hyper fast in this 1100, right? And uh, it, 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 and as the talent gets condensed into just a few tables, it gets oddly, it gets even faster. Even though you'd think talented players would move up the speed, they tend to time bank too much. So anyway, I'm like, I I, I thought this guy could have done this with Ace Deuce suited, right? I was like. He, he he seemed like that kind of guy. He was just kind of like, well, whatever. And he was saying, I I can't remember. I, I think he was saying something to the effect he had some business to tend to. And uh, although, you know, I'm not 100% on that. Anyway, I decide I have like 30 acts. I decide to jam. Well, it comes around to the big blind. And the big blind, have you ever seen people like kind of fling their chips in with their cards before mm-hmm. they fold? Well, he makes a move like he's going to do that, and I think he's folding. So I just table my hand, and then I look back. He's still got his hand with him. And I'm like, oh, wonderful, right? So I just expose my hand. And then uh, everybody at the table knows exactly what I did. Nobody even called the floor. And normally they would call the floor on this, thinking this was a bit of a gambit, right? Well, Mm -hmm. anyway, the big blind goes, well, this doesn't really help me, right? Anyway, he takes a really long time. He takes like two, three minutes, and he finally calls both of us with Ace King. Well, the under the gun guy has Jacks. Great, great read, Alex. And uh, but I still stand by my play now that I have some distance from it. Anyway, Ace King starts to win. Huge Egyptian gentleman starts screaming at me about how this guy could have folded if I hadn't tabled my hand. <laughs> and I was thinking. What, what did I show? I showed him it was going to be a coin flip at least with me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if I tabled ace-jack, you would have been like, uh, it would have been much worse. You know what I mean? I could see why you'd be pissed off. But I, I, don't, or, I don't know. Like, it, to me, I was like, there is no chance that guy was folding ace-king. There's no, just no, no chance, right? There was no, it, it, he was taking his time because I don't know why tournament players do that, right? I the day I see a tournament player actually fold that hand who's under the age of 30, I will apologize, right? But this guy, I didn't, I was shocked when I saw the hand, right? He didn't have an overpair. He didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't think it would affect the action that much. So anyway, uh, the Egyptian guy starts, he goes up to the tournament director and goes, I want you to put a penalty on that guy because he exposed his hand. A penalty will effectively eliminate me from the tournament. And remember, I have like 1.7 big blinds left. Well, anyway, I, you know, I say something to the effect, like you're trying to get me an effing penalty, right? <laughs> and then uh, the whole table pretty much, like the tournament director comes up and the whole table like goes, it was an honest mistake. We all saw what he did, right? He was right there. He looked like he went pale as a ghost, right, after it happened. And I don't, you know, I don't think it was that guy's fault. It was my fault because I thought... I just thought he was flipping his hand in, but he was really just moving his chips or something. To be honest, I'm not sure what he did, but it was my fault, right? It was completely my fault, and I accepted that. So anyway, of course, I bust the next hand, and the Egyptian guy is, like, hanging out by the cage. I'm like, sweet, right? This is going to be fun. And so anyway, I, I – well, oh, wait, no. I, first, you have to go get, a, get your tournament ticket to say what your cash out is. And then you got to go to the cage, right? Well, I go there. The tournament director kind of like, call, you know, calls me up and goes, what, what happened there? And I explained it to him and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you made a mistake, right? But you, you, I, I've been doing this long enough. I could explain what happened, right? And then uh, anyway, they were, uh, you know, the guy was saying like, yeah, I'm wa-, he didn't say I'm waiting for you or anything, but he was, he was glaring at me and cussing me out and talking to the tournament director and trying to get me in trouble. And I was, there was the first part of me that was like, I'm going to go to the cage and I'm going to get into it with him. I feel like doing that, right? <laughs> I'm not, I feel like getting into, the, into it with this guy, right? Because I hate when people do this, right? And at the same time, I was like, what is, it, what is this dork doing? He's bragging to everybody. He's playing a $100,000 tournament. Then he's getting pissed that he's, play, he's playing an 1100 
and yeah. something happened. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get a burger. So I went and got a burger and I hung out. And yeah, anyway, I guess he stopped waiting for me. I heard he was waiting for me at the cage, but apparently he <laughs> gave up after 40 minutes. And I just had my burger and sipped my Coke. So yeah, and uh, well, sorry, I've been talking for a little while, but I'm going to talk more. But uh, yeah, the battle went really well, too. Uh, it was, uh, it's the first Christian battle rap league, which essentially means we can't cuss, but that's about it. We're allowed to bring up a lot of topics that you wouldn't normally hear in a church. Uh, we went to a church. It was kind of a, the Pittsburgh is a beautiful city, by the way. And I had more real conversations with people in Pittsburgh than I've had in a lot of different cities. I felt like I, I could talk to anyone. They were very like humble, salt of the earth people. And we went to this church that was, every time we go to one of these venues, everybody's like, that's the hood, right? And then, uh, so I'm like, I'm in this bar with my friend and uh, I'm just chilling, eating chicken wings. I'm not, I'm not a drinker. Well, the I, chicken wings sounded great. Yeah, they were amazing, <laughs> man, dude. They were, this guy, this guy's like opening a food truck and like, he's like, I'm opening a food truck. I, I can't wait to do this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know how many times I've heard that. And then like, he brings me the chicken wings and he's telling me how he cooks it. And I'm like, all right, dude, you're being a little overzealous. And then I took a bite and I was like, holy moly. <laughs> like, I hate chicken wings. This is incredible. Right. And then my buddy who's been talking about them for three years was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. See? And then, uh, so anyway, that, that was, a. Uh, that that was interesting, and then uh, but like uh, anyway, I was in that bar, and I was like, they were like, "Where's your battle?" And I like read out the address. They were like, "Ooh man, that's the hood." And I'm like, "Man, you know how many times I've heard that?" And then we walk up to a normal neighborhood, like this. This I mean, in the states, like it doesn't. I've been, I've been, I've been like through really bad places in Costa Rica where it's like, I think if I walk through this place another ten minutes, I'm gonna get killed. Like literally, like I've very rarely feel that in the United States, right? And uh, and then, yeah, so anyway, an African-American gentleman comes forward and goes, I've never been to that part of town, right? And he goes, I would never go to that part of town. So I'm like, all right, wow. And then anyway, we show up. It's a dead normal neighborhood. It's a beautiful church. It's a, it, They're all very nice people. I'm like, what is with you guys, right? <laughs> like, why do you guys always do That happens every time I go to Battle Rap. Like, oh, don't go to that part of town. And then it's just, you know, it's, you know, it, me and Carlos were like looking around like, what? Like, you know. It's this, usually the best part of town. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, it's like, these are nice houses. This would be a $200,000 house in Seattle, right? And I'm like, what? I mean, not 200000 This would be an $800,000 house in Seattle, right? These are big houses. You know, everybody's saying hi. I'm sure it's not, like, the greatest area at night, but I, I don't know. I have no idea. Everybody was super nice to me. Anyway, it was a church that I think was largely African-American, and a lot of reformers were white, and they were just super complimentary to us, which I thought was pretty cool because... You know, I mean, it, let's be honest. They did create the art form, you know what I mean? It's always different to hear... A, us coming into it, you know what I mean? And they were all super supportive, and yeah, the battle went off. Uh, the guy I was battling actually is having pretty serious health problems right now, so he was kind of gutting it out, and I mean, like, he's on dialysis and stuff. I don't know what he wants to talk about. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. He posted a picture on Facebook that looked like dialysis. I don't, I don't know. But uh, he's a uh, he still put on this like really good performance. And then I essentially turned my battle. What we were supposed to do is a concept battle. And at first I kind of thought like, this is going to be really hard. Then I realized these are super popular in don't flop, which is the UK battle rap league, which is probably the third biggest rap league in the world. So you probably should get some practice in these. So what they wanted us to do was my, it, it, it was supposed to be role model versus self-centered, right? I was supposed to be the role model. And they were like, you could do this because you used to be a drinker and a smoker and, you know, used to talk about it quite a bit. Now you're pretty sober and you're doing pretty well, right? And I was like, okay, cool. And I kept writing the battle and trying to write it as like a concept. But I was like, man, I can't write this this, this way because I haven't been a good role model for so much of my life. And I feel like such a hypocrite, right? 
So yeah, anyway, I, I wrote it essentially from, I didn't play a character, I just wrote it from my perspective, and I, I pretty much just told everybody about my real life, and I talked a little bit more about my childhood than I ever have, uh, and just to let people know where I was coming from, and I talked about, uh, I mean, I'll let you all see it in the battle, because like even my good friends who I was performing with didn't know a lot of this stuff, right? And it was kind of weird to tell everybody the first time, like, 200 people, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, they, uh, man, they were so supportive. And it was, like, uh, it, it was crazy. Like, I couldn't believe how into it these people got. Like, it was so cool, right? And I was just, you know, and I, I was essentially talking about my battles with alcoholism, drug use, uh, and how that played into... Uh, being a workaholic, you know what I mean? That was something, like, when I stopped drinking, I, I didn't, here, here's the thing, when I stopped drinking, I kind of did this, like, poor people do this stupid thing, and I, where it's like, man, I can handle this, I'll be all right, you know what I mean? Like, whereas more well-off people know, like, man, you went through something, go to a clinic, you know, just get everything checked out, even if, it's never really going to be a waste of money, you know what I mean? It's just, just double check everything. And if they, you know, if they want to talk to you about something, they're, they're the guys that study mental health issues for six, eight years. Maybe you should listen to them, right? Yeah. Some of them are quacks, but if you get, if you get a quack, just take it as money lost. It, it's still a plus EV bet and go to the next one. Right? Well, I didn't do that. When I stopped drinking, I was going through withdrawal symptoms and I decided I'm just going to work 16, 18 hours a day. And I did that and I made a whole ton of money and I did that for years, but everybody around me kind of had to suffer because of that. And I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that in just like mental illness, because that's something the church doesn't talk about that much. You know what I mean? Like they're just not really into talking about that. They're not really into talking about mental health. They're, I mean, not this church. This church was the most open, kindest, loving people I've ever met. Like these were the greatest people i've met in so long right they were so cool and it was you know it was one of the greatest experiences you had like grandmas like reacting to the bars and then you had like babies running around and stuff like that it was just cool it was really cool and it was a great environment i've never been in a battle rap environment where nobody was drunk nobody was smoking weed so everybody was mad respectful but they got so loud when you dropped a crazy bar right because they were paying such good attention right but, like, it, it was cool because I talked about mental health, mental illness, uh, addiction, right? And I talked about, look, I just turned my addiction to something else, and everybody around me had to suffer because of that. And they were hearing it, man, and they were really into it. And it was cool, man. It was like I got to – it was the first time I got to rap battle and actually talk about something that meant something to me. And I f I'm really proud of this battle, even though I opened myself up more than I really wanted to. But just I wanted to do that just so people knew, like, look, I, I'm going to tell you about something I actually know about, right, quite a bit. And everybody was super respectful and everybody was super kind. It was, a, it was it, 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 one of the best experiences in my life. I, I couldn't be happier. It was uh, – I'm, I'm on YouTube, I know people are going to throw stones, but, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's how it is. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it's, uh, you guys are going to get to see a different side of me, you know. So that's – a uh, it, it was definitely, I don't know, it, it, it was definitely pretty heavy. If you watch in the background of the video, I made one guy tear up. <laughs> so that was, I think he had a, I think he had a pretty similar childhood. And when I was talking about it, it just became a little too much. Or maybe, That's just my guess. I think he's been through some pretty tough, uh, I think he's been through some pretty tough times and maybe he could identify with it. But yeah, there was, and uh, yeah, the rest of the performers, there's one battle, uh, there's one battle versus uh, uh, 3PFD and A-Ward, I think, is one of the best battles I've ever seen in my life. If you, get, uh, if you guys get to do it, it was like, uh, it, it, I can't remember, it was like Hope versus Giving In. I can't remember the exact name of, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the concept, but it was essentially one guy was arguing, like, you need to keep going on, and the other guy was like, just give up. And the guy who played, uh, like, the bad angel was so effing scary, right? Like, he was such a good, like, he was just such a good rapper. And he was talking about, like, real issues people go through and why you should, 
it was just like, whoa, man, this is happening. <laughs> like, this was, you know, and everybody was just dead silent in that church a few times on some of the things he said. It was just, wow, that's a, that's harsh, right? But yeah, it was heavy, man. It was, uh, uh, that was, you know, it's funny, it was a Christian event, but that was one of the most, like, metal events I've ever been to. Because, like, metal to me is, like, just, like, conviction and a lot of, you know, like, bring out the pain and go hard and whatever. And that was that was pretty metal. That was pretty dope. That was what was up, man. It was, it was fire. And I can't wait for y'all to see it. Now, anyway, let me answer one of your poker questions before I go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm going to go ramble. I'm going to go ramble at someone in the, uh, in the streets, you know, <laughs> just because well, I've been talking by myself for so long. <laughs> it was a lot to recap. It's good. It's the Ask Alex show. Yeah, exactly, know, so. exactly. There was a lot to recap, though, in that one, so yeah, I wanted yeah. to get it out. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. Uh, okay, what we're going to talk about now, though, before we even do questions is more stuff. We are going to talk about the competition we ran for Alex's new book, The Myth of Poker Talent. I said, um, people email in, give me reasons why you deserve the book, and I would pick one, and I was going to buy the book for one of the listeners. So, this is actually quite cool, Alex. As always, like our listeners are really loyal people, they all get involved when you've got stuff to sell, etc. And uh, the support and messages that we got were amazing. I mean, I'll just read out some of them. Uh, <laughs> okay. There is one. I got the list here. Now, the what, first one was from Aaron Lapointe, uh, or Lapointe. Lapointe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a regular, because we always, I always butcher his uh, surname. And his new name is cool. Lapointe. <laughs> yeah. That's the only uh, way I um, pronounce it from now on. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Aaron LaPone. <laughs> uh, he messages in, Hey guys, congrats on making it to the 100th episode. I don't need to be put in the draw for the book as I would rather pay for it, but I did want to express how much the podcast and how much Alex has done for my development. Wow. As a serious amateur, Alex's content has been nothing short of game-changing. My mindset and the way I look at the game has completely changed. I have a lot of work to do, but I'm moving in the right direction. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Barry. And hope you can do another hundred plus episode. Cheers, guys. Aaron Lapone. <laughs> Yo, so Aaron, that was like up, so man. good. I appreciate that. Shout out to Barry for making this possible. He schedules and that he does all the editing, and you guys don't ever hear it, but I, I do take breaks and stuff like that. But uh, uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate that. You know, I was just realizing on my trip. I got, like, the greatest job in the world, man. Like, all my students are so cool, you know what I mean? And getting to talk with you all, it's a, it's amazing, man. And playing live poker is awesome. Playing poker is just fun, you know what I mean? So the fact you guys are enjoying it as much as I'm enjoying it means the world, man. Thank you for that email. And um, the love kept coming. And this one is from another uh, regular, uh, Dennis Pedersen. And this is quite important in terms of the competition. So... Hey Barry, I'm just writing to let you know that I do not deserve a free copy of Alex's new book. I'm, fort- I'm fortunate enough to have a good job that allows me to play poker and also afford to buy all of Alex's webinars, his book, and have private lessons with him, etc. That being said, I realize there are many out there who cannot afford these luxuries. I would like to take this opportunity to pay it forward. Since you and Alex have done such an amazing job on this free podcast for all of us, I would like to buy a copy of Alex's book for the runner-up in the contest for Whoa. free copy of his book. Just let me know how much the cost is for the book and the shipping, and I'll send the money to you if you don't mind me doing this. Thanks again for everything you two do, Dennis Pedersen. Wow, man. I mean, that's just, like, really cool gesture, Dennis. I mean, That's community <laughs> building right there. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, that's dope. That's amazing. That is... is it's, there's, there's a few other ones. In a, there's another email in it, like, just a person messaged in some cool words but we'll save that for the next show and um, those were competition related uh, so that's why I read them out now so thanks guys and yeah, I noticed these names the same people like share stuff and you know spread the word etc when we put things on so um, that all helps and as you say it is a free podcast and then Alex has these products which you're buying but you're getting like heaps in return for them so yeah everybody seems to be doing great off it and we also have a bracelet winner I know, uh, that's pretty. So, <laughs> I'm going to claim I, that forever. Well, well I, I saw on Twitter a guy, one of the regulars, Riards, 
Uh, oh yeah, he's the man. He just got like third. He just got third for like fifteen k or something in yeah, some tournament. Major a party poker major. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. I've never had a student. By the way, I always tell people if you can take these concepts, I don't know if you'll ever need a second lesson, right? Like I hope you come to me for a second lesson when you've really reworked your game, right? But in our lesson, he busted his ass. He was just like, okay, wait, run that by me again. Wait, hold on. Okay, what does this mean? And then he was taking scrupulous notes. And, like, you know, like the next day, it was like, hey, I final table this. And day after that, hey, I final table that. Next day, I final table this. I'm like, that's what's up. You know, like, that was awesome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, it was because you always want to, like, in one lesson, you're trying to get as much as you can in there, and it's so cool when you can get. Uh, I think I was, I got a lot of data to him really quickly, and he really like, he's he really affected it and worked it very well. Yeah, well, just another from my personal experience, I've mentioned it before way back on other podcasts, but when I got a lesson with you, I remember saying to you, Alex, treat me like a complete fucking idiot. <laughs> You know, like, I do not know anything. Please tell me, like, from scratch. You know, I wanted to totally rework, because obviously what I'm doing is not working as, you know, and you just gave me, like, a couple of things to work out and how to think. And like what who messaged in, uh, Aaron messaged in and said it changed the way he thinks. You change the way, like, I sort of think and even approach poker problems. And once you do that, it's the old, like, you can teach a man a fish sort of thing. You know, that that was it. You know what, it's really weird when I was starting making lessons and I started realizing this was going to become my job because poker poker was getting to a point it was becoming tougher right and it was very clear to me I needed a second source of income if I was going to get married and eventually have kids and stuff like that you know when I was on my own I didn't really care because you know whatever I, I would figure it out but uh there I wrote down like okay if you're going to do lessons what kind of lessons do you want to do and I I, I I literally wrote down, I need to teach people how to think about the game because the theory of poker, I got the theory of poker when I was 17 in high school and people thought that was my Bible or something because you never saw me at that high school without that book because I, I, I literally think I read that book three times in a row and I'm not the kind of guy who rereads books. I, I'm not, you'll ne- almost never see me reread a book, right? And uh, I, I think I've done it like once in my life. And uh, other than this, and the reason I read that book is it taught me how to think about poker, right? And it was the first book that ever really taught me how to do that. And then I realized 10 years later, I was like, oh, wow, this is, uh, you know, it's changed quite a bit now. And the myth of poker talent is an attempt to teach you how to think about the game, right? And my personal lessons are an attempt to teach you how to think about the game. So that means more than anything, hearing what you guys are saying, that it changes your viewpoint. That's awesome. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, okay, without further ado, we're going to read out the winner of the Woo-hoo! book, the copy I'm buying. And yep. then thanks to the generosity of Dennis Pedersen, there's going to be a runner-up as well. So let's go to the winner. And uh, the winner is Cole Puterbaugh, or Puterbaugh. Oh. Hopefully I'm not... Yeah, go, go, and go with the most German pronunciation. Kulturbarg. <laughs> anyway, Kulturbarg. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, you are the winner, Cole, and Woo! I will be buying a copy of the book from Alex for you and sending it off. Whether that involves me getting the book and then mailing it to you or just mailing it direct, which would probably be more sensible, we'll, we will sort that out for you. And uh, I'll read out his uh, email and then I'll tell you why I, why I chose it. Um, my friend, I have compiled bullet points so that you might quickly reference the superior nature of my reasoning and admire the efficiency and craft with which I compel you to give me the book. I must spit out my coffee. <laughs> okay. I have, I have, I mean, he had me at bullet points. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, um, I have 1,500 MTT games under my belt on PS, which I'm a poker stars, and, and have a modest 8% ROI. Obviously, I need help improving this. I live in China, and uh, Amazon—he does. I'm just—he lives in China, and Amazon.com will not deliver the book to me. I read every book I touch, so I will not become—it will not become dusty sitting on the back of my toilet. 
I have student loan debt, which demands that I become a bit better at poker so that I might not live my existence in a metaphorical but possibly real hole. This book will enable me to further increase my ROI and in the money percentages. If you don't feel the levity of this point, imagine that you will be helping to dig America out of its debt by giving me this book. <laughs> if I win on the podcast, you don't have to mention the exact dollar amount of my debt. You can just say assload or something like that. Sorry, I didn't read that bit. I've actually read it out. Yeah. If you're going to free so, talk, we're talking. Congratulations, yeah. you're every 20 other, you're every other 20-something. Yeah. Don't August, 20, August 23rd is my birthday, so this would be a good birthday present. Succinct, truthful, cold. I mean, I picked that because, one, genuinely, the bullet plot points uh, really do, do help to pick out things and read yeah, things. That was and there was lots of good humour that I find very similar to my humour and stuff. And dry, overall, he seems like a genuine, genuine guy that's going to read it and actually put it to use and work hard at it as well. Yeah, and probably come back and say, Alex's book helped me pay off all my student loan, and I slowed the amount, we won't repeat the amount again, <laughs> and uh, he's became a better player, etc. So, Cole, well done. And he lives in China, so uh, next time I go to China, I assume I got some place to sleep for free if I want, rather than a hotel <laughs> yeah. that goes power exactly. cuts three exactly. days in a row. I've been talking about this. Barry, you're going to have to earn your money. You're going to have to go through this, and you're going to have to put a beep where we put his amount. You ready to do that? <laughs> You ready to do that? I'm not joking. I'm not. Earn your pay, fam. You can do yeah. it. You can. Uh, I, I actually, I'll do it if you don't have time to do it. Just because I. No, I can do it. I can okay, do it. I yeah. Can. Just because I, I could tell that was an honest mistake, but we have to make sure. But yeah, and, <laughs> the official ass load. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, that was an amazing email. Thank you so much for sending that in. I was laughing and. Very, very convinced the entire time. Yeah, yeah, Cole, Cole won. And, okay, the runner-up that Dennis Pedersen is going to buy a copy of the book for is Nancy Johnson. Woo-hoo! Now, um, I picked this one. I'll read out her email first. Uh, Myth of Poker Book. Barry, congrats to you and Alex on your 100th episode. I was listening to it in the car yesterday and today. I play live tournaments and in a bar league. I'd like to be considered for the freebie of his book for this reason. As a mid-50s female, it would be nice to read Alex's complete thoughts at a slower speed. Cheers, Nancy Johnson. <laughs> yeah. and I, I, I always talking a mile a yeah. minute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good for two reasons. I thought, yeah, Alex, you know, a mile a minute and something. And then I thought, and, and, and don't take this the, the wrong way, Nancy. I mean this in the, the most respectful sense. I think it's great that we have a mid-50-year-old female listening to our podcast. And when I think of some of the way that ways that me and Alex talk sometimes and about some <laughs> stuff, it just shows you, like, our demographic is crazy. And, you know, yeah. uh, you might be an outlier, but I think that's great because we don't get... I think we've had one female email in a question before, way back. I think I made a point of, you know, saying, oh, we don't really get... but. It's great. It's that is great, um, and I think it's. I love the idea of Nancy listening to me and Alex talk um, and run in her car, and then also getting Alex's book and becoming an uh, pr- impressive poker player, and then dominating her yes. bar league and yes. live tournaments. Yes, and sir, stuff, and so. yes, ma'am, you're gonna do. It. I love helping the people in the bar leagues because a lot of time they get out of the bar leagues and they start playing live and they start doing well. And I, I love Nancy. You're gonna love this book because. Here's the deal. If I get away with a lot of these bluffs, you're going to get away with them four times as much. Like, nobody's going to think you're on this level. You know what I mean? Just because people stereotype. You know what I mean? And generally, people are just there to have fun once they're... Uh, and this is for the men, too. I get some guys from the oil fields like that are past their 50s, you know, and they're, they kind of seem like cranky old men, right? And then they start out playing everybody, and they're like, wait a minute, I thought he was a nit. And this... That's really when my job's really fun, hearing about you guys dominating your leagues and stuff like that. There's a few. If you guys could see my client list, oh, my God. Like, it's, I'm not – I always make it very clear to them at the beginning. I'm like, if you want me to if, – if I could say you're my client, I would appreciate it. But it's completely within your discretion whether to be uh, private or not. 
And most of them do pick privacy because they don't want people knowing specifically what plays they're activating. But there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people in their 50s that started in bar leagues that are now doing really well on the circuit that are using the exact same strategies that are in this book. So I know it's going to work, and I'm so happy that you're going to get this book. Thank you to Dennis Peterson, too, for helping Nancy out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so Nancy and Cole, you are the winners. You will both receive a copy of Alex's new book, The Myth of Poker Talent. I'm deliberately not going to message you guys before you have a sort of chance, you know, a couple of weeks to listen to the show. <laughs> so if you are late, I will be emailing you anyway, but I'll be emailing you, you know, in seven to ten days, maybe 14 days. Oh, yeah, so like they that. can hear it. Oh, I, like, I, like the idea, I like the idea that they listen to it and they hear me read it out and they'll, the winners will assume the other winners have been emailed or whatever and they can just hear oh, that they've won. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm very American not, today. Awesome. <laughs> not... If you've still not listened to the podcast, and then you know now because I've emailed you because it's two weeks later or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. you guys are the winners anyway. Uh, okay, Alex, that wraps up that. A lot of good positivity there and uh, good stuff. Uh, is Ask Alex, and we are at the hour, but I feel we should do one question. Do Myself one. and Alex are going to record back-to-back today. So the next episode will be a lot of questions. So, But let's do one for this uh, mm-hmm. show. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick one that I think we can fit into the time left on this episode. So that is, okay, it's from Mickey Weissman. All right. And uh, he has, any chance of asking Alex to do a segment on Poker Solver software at some point? Maybe just a basic high-level overview and which one he would recommend, if any. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking we're going to get a lot done in the coming days because I've found... I don't know how to answer this question other than yes or no. And yes, I'm interested in it. So there's a good chance. But uh, I'm just going to take this time uh, to tell you about this can that got thrown on my neighbor's yard. No, but uh, no, there's something I want to tell people because I couldn't believe how much this has helped me recently. I've always had incredible stress when I was working and there were all these segments I wanted to do for my YouTube channel like on a PO solver or something like that, like you guys are bringing up. But what would happen is I would work nonstop for like four hours. And when you're at a desk and my work is pretty intense, it's not like I can zone out, you know, I have to really be on. And uh, I would just get to this point where I was still working, but I was kind of clamped up, you know what I mean? And it was always kind of like, I forgot what I was doing. Uh, What did I do? I've started this new method later and I've, I think this could work really well with cash games. It obviously is not going to work well with tournaments. Tournaments you're going to have to uh, deeply rest before and after in order to get something similar. But uh, essentially what I'm doing is I work 50 minutes and I break for 20. And uh, I think they call it the, what is it, the tomato timer, the Pomodoro principle or something like that. But I never really knew what to do on those 20 minutes because I'm not a napper. I can only meditate one time a day. I just figured out recently, what I do is I go to my bed, I take uh, one of those eye masks, so like the light doesn't pierce my skull from Mm. the Costa Rican skies, and I put that on, I put in my earbuds, and I listen to an audio book, and it's really good to get like a calming one, right? I listen to an audio book that I'm really into, and uh, so generally I don't pick a political book for this time because it's just going to piss me off or something like that, but, like, I'm listening to Stumbling Onto Happiness recently. That was, that's really interesting, and you just kind of zone out for 20 minutes, and you get not really a nap. I mean, if you do nap, that's cool. You should set an alarm, and then if, you you know, it's connected to your iPhone, it'll just go off in your earbuds, and you'll wake up, but uh, the other book I was listening to that I really recommend everybody listen to is uh, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, uh, by Dale Carnegie, despite the fact uh, it's self-help book nature, uh, sounding title. This is like, I don't know, this is the Phil Ivey of self-help books. Like nothing comes close to the, to this book, right? It's so, and, and you realize why so much self-help books are trash when you read this book. This is so, it is kind of old fashioned and some of the advice is kind of, it's kind of weird. And, uh, but yeah, anyway, it's, a uh, it's fantastic. But yeah, you just zone out for 20 minutes. Then you come back for 50 zone out for 20. 
I've been putting in a ton more work since I started doing this, and I don't feel fatigued at all by the end of the day. And I, I'm thinking that's going to help me get a lot of work done. So hopefully, we're going to get a we're going to get a video about uh, that software. But you got to give me some time to figure it out. And remember, my schedule is pretty darn hectic. But we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, my man. Okay, okay, Mickey. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, okay, guys, that's all we're going to do for this episode. Uh, congratulations again to the winners. Thanks to everybody for listening. I had a look at the stats. They're right up for the last few episodes and stuff. Um, the listeners are, are more than ever. So uh, that's great. People aren't bored of us, um, which is good. So that's, it's also reinforcing the fact that we don't need to do much editing or polishing. <laughs> it, it's working. It's working. So let the num- follow the trends and the lines. It's more exactly. listeners than ever, so we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Um, all right, so yeah, so maybe you should have threw in the story about the can on your neighbor's lawn or whatever. Uh, it might have been. Know, yeah. well, <laughs> Save it for another day. I'm sure it'll happen. Yes. Yeah, um, okay, guys, thanks for listening. And oh, Alex, before we go, I'm nearly forgetting your plugs. Oh. Okay. Uh, Alex, yeah. how can people get in touch? I saw you mentioned you're doing private lessons again temporarily in the email. Yes. So uh, how can people get in touch with you for further information, products, lessons while they last, etc.? I love how we were talking about our production values and then my business phone went off and it took me like five seconds to put it up. Yeah, uh, private lessons are back on. You do have to submit an application because we only have 20 lessons spots and then, uh, yeah, essentially somebody is going to look through for... Essentially, if you're going to make my job a lot easier, that makes it by telling me exactly what I need to work on with you, uh, you're more likely to get selected, right? So answer those questions as thoroughly as you want, uh, although don't write a novel. But if you want to get those questions, write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com or assassinatecoaching at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we got private lessons going on. Assassinato University is going to start on October 1st. So be looking out for that and also sign up for my YouTube channel where uh, now that I'm back home, I'm going to be back home for about a month. So there should be a lot more going up on that and uh, be sure to check all that out. And uh, yeah, be sure to sign up for the mailing list at pokerheadrush.com so you can get kind of, I, I publish a lot of stuff on a lot of different sites and it's really hard to, uh, it, it's really hard to follow all of it if you're just kind of the lay person. But uh, I, I will corral it all together and send it to you in an email, and you just get free content every, every so often. And if you guys have uh, signed up for that, the last few times I wrote you guys, it was mostly just announcing stuff that we have going on. Now that I'm home, I'm going to write a few more articles, and that should be a good time. So i got a few things going on, so it should be a good time. Okay, and thanks for listening again. Keep the questions coming in for next week's show. Ask Alex. Yeah, send them into questions at com on the email. That is the best way. Until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Salute! OSS Cubed. Gigantic. A monster. Enormous. Behemoth. The OSS Cubed gets underway on Sunday, August 14th, and it's bringing to the table a whopping $4.5 million in guarantees over four weeks. Yep, that's $4.5 million, our most exciting endeavor yet, with three massive main events. It all adds up to 141 online poker events with something for everyone. There's also a combined leaderboard that will award four all-inclusive packages, $4,900 value each, to the 2016 Punta Cana Poker Classic. And it's waiting for you at America's Card Room.